Welcome to the ISO on the Gonzaga Nation Media Network. I'm your host, Dan Dickow, with today's special guest, someone who has spent an extensive amount of time in the NBA in a number of different roles, mostly as a video coordinator, sharing his experience of breaking into the NBA, sustaining a career in the NBA, and then also probably some advice on anyone listening, wanting to get into the NBA themselves. I got to know him a little bit when I was with the Portland Trailblazers, John Ross. John, thanks for joining Awesome, Dan. Great to be here. Uh, it's an honor and privilege to be uh, on your show. It's a great show. I know you've had a lot of great guests on here, so I appreciate being able to be on it. Yeah, thanks again for joining. And let, let's just get right into it. You know, a lot of people want to be involved with the sport that they love at the highest level. For mm -hmm. you and I, it was being a part of the NBA. Um, I was able to play, and then I had one year coaching, which is where you and I connected with the Blazers organization. Give us a little bit about your background as in the game growing up. Were you playing with the eye that you wanted to get into coaching at some point, or, or what was that upbringing in the game of basketball for you like? Yeah, definitely. So I'm from Indiana, so from the cornfields. Anyone who's seen the movie Hoosiers, like I grew up in that. Like we played against that team growing up. So that's the culture I grew up into. So my dream, probably like a lot of young people, was to play in the NBA. Um, eventually you kind of realize like that's not going to happen for me but I loved like the management side and scouting and I wanted to be a GM and work in a front office and I loved the NBA draft and uh, watching teams in the war room so that was kind of like my dream to get in there but I you know I had no idea like how do I become an NBA scout and so you know from there um, I went to university I went to Liberty University in Virginia and I graduated. So I was actually, you know, I got a job, I was working and kind of still this like thing, like I, I want to chase this dream. I just don't know how to do it. And I basically Googled MBA jobs and I started to make some connections and meet some people. And uh, I met someone who knew Liberty's basketball coach, who was uh, Richie McKay. And I got a meeting with Richie and Richie told me, he's like, hey, what I'll do for you, you can come to practices, you can stand in the corner and write scouting reports on players, and that's it. And so I started emailing him all these scouting reports on players, and he started inviting me to his office, and we'd go over the reports. And then while I was doing that, I was applying for every internship and job I could find online. So probably like a lot of people trying to break into the NBA, I think I got rejected 18 times or didn't hear from anyone. And then uh, Brian Adams with the Boston Celtics, he was a video coordinator there at the time. Uh, I got an opportunity to interview for an internship there. And so, uh, you know, it was in Boston. It was the same year they got um, KG and Ray Allen. And uh, I thought it was meant to be. And, you know, they they told me they didn't have it in their budget to, to fly me out there. And I was like, no worries, I'll be in Boston this weekend. And I bought a plane ticket and flew to Boston and uh, walked into a video room. And that's when I knew like, wow, like, that's what I want to do. Like, you know, if you walk into a video room, especially as a young person who loves hoops, it's like just 20 TVs with basketball games on. You go, man, I can do this for a living. And so um, I didn't get it in Boston, but, uh, you know, they knew the Portland guys. And I interviewed with Portland um, with Caleb Canales and Tim Grass, who you know well. And, uh, you know, they hired me as their intern. So next day I packed up all my stuff in Virginia and drove across the country to Portland, Oregon. Uh, slept on a couch for a year, did that whole thing, uh, unpaid internship, which turned into a, you know, full-time internship the next year, which turned into like assistant video coordinator, video coordinator kind of, you know, took that route. So ended up uh, with the Blazers for 15 years. I love how 
those opportunities just present themselves when, when you take one opportunity to meet someone and then it grows into something new. But the coach that you mentioned at Liberty High School, uh, I didn't know you were connected with Richie McKay in any way, shape, or form. He was the first college basketball coach that recognized me as a potential college player really? way back in the mid-90s. So oh, small wow, yeah. world. Nice to be able to connect those that, two dots for both of us. That is a small world. I knew he was out here in the Pacific Northwest for a while because he he introduced me to some people out here. So that's a that's a great connection. Great guy. I, I still have a lot of respect for him and uh, what he's done at the program there. Yeah, he, he has a tremendous job uh, coaching in person, and that's when he was at the University of Washington. Um, but so you break in as a as a assistant video intern, then you get a full time internship, and then you grow it to a video coordinator. Uh, uh, Raman Spasado spent a number of years as a video coordinator in the NBA, spent a number of years as an assistant coach in the NBA and then in college. And we've had this conversation many times. The video coordinators in the NBA might know more about the game of basketball and player personnel throughout the league than anybody else. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the video coordinators, you're literally watching basketball the whole day. So, you know, in the morning, you're preparing video from the night before for games and you're going over practice, then you're at practice and you're working out with players. So you're, you know, getting a feel for development and player development. And then, you know, when the games start at four o'clock, you're there breaking down all the other games throughout the evening, which then, you know, you're preparing for the coaches meeting in the morning. So uh, it's kind of nonstop uh, basketball. And then, you know, you're obviously you're at the games and so you kind of get just this well-rounded picture as a video coordinator of everything that goes in, um, to the game. And then for me, I loved the NBA draft. So um, Tim and Caleb kind of let me run with the college stuff. So, um, um, you know, I would be logging, you know, our opponents, if we're playing the Warriors, you know, you watch five games before, you know, you play them. And then I'd also be watching the college games and breaking down the prospects. And so you're just kind of getting a feel of, of all sides of basketball. When, when you're talking about breaking down film uh, of college guys for the NBA draft, and I know my focus now is on college basketball as an analyst and, and doing different things, um, but I remember distinctly the year I was with the Blazers uh, helping Caleb Canales with pre-draft workouts in summer league, and those college guys would show up to the facility for a pre-draft workout. Mm -hmm. Many of the assistant coaches that were about to put the players through the workouts knew nothing about the player until maybe two hours before when they we would sit in a conference room and watch 45 minutes of, of clips on each of these players. Uh, is that true of most organizations that you know of and, and how those pre-draft workouts and video analysis is run? Yeah, I mean, it's different with every organization. Even, you know, after you left, the next year, Neil Olshay came in and things changed again. So, um, you know, in my time with the Blazers, from Kevin Pritchard to – Rich Cho, Chad Buchanan, um, you know, Chad was kind of under the Kevin Pritchard line. So the, he's kind of the one they operated the same. Uh, Rich was a little different. Neil was very different. We actually didn't do a lot of uh, pre-draft workouts um, in the Neil Olshay era, whereas in the Kevin Pritchard era, we were bringing in 100 plus guys a summer. So, you know, every, you know, every style of management had had a different feel. But I know when we were there at the same time, it's kind of like, I'd be watching the college stuff throughout the year and, you know, scouts are doing their thing and GM assistant GM are breaking things down. And then it'd just be like right at draft time when the coaches would actually get to know those players. And, um, you know, some teams bring their coaches into the process. Uh, some just leave it to the scouts. 
And, you know, each, each team does their own thing. Uh, you know, even like you said earlier, you know, I'm partial to video coordinators. I'm like, I, video coordinators should be involved in that process. I like when coaches are involved. Um, I've talked to other, you know, NBA coaches about this, how oftentimes coaches watch more film than scouts. Um, Cause a scout, you know, maybe they go scout a game and they watch that game, but a coach is preparing film every day with the video coordinator. So coaching staff, um, and even in your role, player development and, you know, assistant coach, like you're watching film all the time and breaking down film with guys. So you get a really good picture of the league. And even then in college, you know what it takes for a player to make it into the league because you're working out with guys and you know those things to look for. So, you know, I think holistically as an organization working together is uh, for me the, the best method I saw for for drafting a player. Yeah, that's that's so true is there's lots of different uh, approaches that can be taken, but you kind of have to settle on one and, and different organizations uh, have to figure that out at that particular time. But you spent 10 plus years in the NBA in multiple roles in, in the video room. Um, when you get asked by young, hungry, driven men and women that want to get into the NBA, what's your advice to them? Yeah, honestly, I usually have three things. And so, uh, you know, the first thing is have a skill. So you know, a lot of people will like even reach out to me and be like, oh, I have a dream. I want to work in the A. You know, this is my favorite team. And it's like the first question is, what can you do? Like you have to have something to offer a team. And, you know, if you didn't, you know, play in the NBA or you don't have like a connection to the NBA, you got to have something to offer to get yourself in the door. So whether that's knowing how to like do sports code and huddle and breaking down game film or, um, you know, the analytics side of understanding like Python or all these things that I don't understand, but there's, there's different ways or, you know, the medical side, there's so many ways to get involved, but you have to have something um, to offer. And then the second thing is experience. Um, a lot of people will like, okay, I know that now, like, can I get a job? And it's like, well, now you need to like, work at your college and it may start volunteering. Um, I even tell people like, even if you're like at a YMCA and like, you're just helping kids out, at least it shows like you love the game and you're willing to do the work. And you know, a lot of times then it's like, you go to the G league, you go to the WNBA and there's a progression. And so, you know, it's, it's experience, it's a skill set, And then the third thing I say is character, um, which, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand, like when we, even when we're looking at a, someone for an internship, like we're going through their social media, we're doing background checks, we're calling teachers and references. And so we want to know who we're getting and how they fit in to a staff. So um, those are kind of the big three things that, that I uh, tell people who are looking to get an MBA. What's the biggest misperception of NBA players? Um, because you being in on the inside, you're around guys all the time. You're around coaches all the time. Um, what's the biggest misperception? Yeah, I just think by and large, NBA players are like amazing people and they do so much for the community, um, especially like, you know, I've been blessed to be in Portland for 15 years. And like the guys we've had in this franchise have been so active in the community and the schools. And I think that stuff gets brushed over. Um, and I'll just give an example. Like, I couldn't speak higher of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Like, after practices, like, CJ would go down to the boys club and work with boys and girls there. And Dame would go into the inner city Portland and work with the local high schools. And, like, they would just do that after practice and just go. Like, there's no cameras. Um, I was talking, you know, Sherry Hansen. Um, I was talking to Sherry one time, and she's like, you know, our guys did 11 events this week, and only two of them were public. 
And nine of them were just like, they went and they just did things that were off the record. And so I think a lot of that stuff happens in the NBA where, you know, one thing will get blown out of proportion of something that happens with one person and people will label the NBA or players or coaches as a thing. And by and large, like, I've just seen like players doing so much good for their communities. Yeah, I would agree with that because, uh, you know, the the best or you you kind of touched on it with have a skill but also be high character the best organizations will draft and develop and bring onto their roster guys with high character as well mm -hmm. and, and they really will pour into the communities that they live in so that's awesome to hear that um very minimal of their appearances uh would be shared publicly um because they can have such an impact that people don't know about when you look at coaches that either you've worked with or you've just been around because of the, your time in the league and seeing them, what separates a good from a great coach in the NBA? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I feel like, you know, the thing is with X's and O's, 90, 95% of coaches are just great with X's and O's. And so to me, it's just like, how can you convey that to a player? And like, which comes from building a relationship, from building trust, from being able to make adjustments. Um, Cause I mean, you're a player, like you guys are really smart. And so it's like for coaches, it's like, that's another thing. I don't think people realize how intelligent players are. Um, and so coaches have to be on top of their game. And if they're not able to make the right adjustments and things like players tune them out and th that might be their career, like they're done with them. And so it's like, you have to be able to like, not only be intelligent next nose, but then have that relationship with guys. And it doesn't mean you have to be buddy, buddy, but there has to be that, that trust between you and coaches. And one thing I've seen with, especially coaches developing from like, you know, video coordinators and assistant coaches, it's the ones who are in the gym every day. So the coaches who come back at night with guys and they build that relationship and they build that trust. And I've seen a lot of coaches just become very successful from, from the time they spend in the evenings with players. I mentioned Raman Spasato, a friend of mine who started as a video coordinator. Uh, Caleb Canales, who you know well, was a video coordinator. He's been an interim head coach at the NBA level. But I got to imagine that Eric Spolstra is the godfather of all video coordinators. Yeah. Am I right in that? And how do you guys look up to him uh, as that guy? Yeah, definitely. Um, we all do. Everybody who kind of came up in the video world, like he was the guy, even like, I don't know if you know Caleb's story, that's how he started. He was writing letters to Eric Spolstra. Um, and so, uh, and then Raman was with the Blazers. So I, I wasn't there with him, but he's like my, my grandfather, as far as video coordinators, like him, Neil Meyer, like we know, we know the route of guys who, who we came through. And so we definitely, and you know, Eric's up at the top of all that, especially being, you know, a Portland guy. So um, we all really, uh, you know, respect him a lot and uh, look up to him as as a role model. Well, I appreciate the time, uh, John. I got one last question. I, I know you're not currently affiliated with the team. You had mentioned off camera that you're kind of just taking your time to kind of figure out the next steps. But it looks like you're doing a number of, of different projects right now with Get in the Game. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I wrote an article that was like three things to get a job in the NBA, three things to get an internship in the NBA. Just, you know, I get a lot of calls for 15 years. I was hiring interns. So I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to kind of package these things up and and write some articles. And so I sent these articles out and, you know, they kind of, you know, blew up because, you know, just help free advice for people. And so um, I kind of turned it into a little company to where um, I just kind of put things together where I write articles. It's get in the game 101. Uh, it can be found uh, a website or a sub stack is kind of the main place. So it's getting the game 101.com. 
Substack. Um, so that's kind of the main space where, where I do my writing. And then uh, just recently kind of decided to do a draft cohort. So we're getting some, uh, you know, MBA coaches and, and medical people, agents to kind of walk through a draft process, like not who to draft, but like, what's the process of that? Um, and so we're going to have a cohort of students. And so that starts May 17th. So if anyone, you know, listen to the pod wants to jump on, you know, we'd love to, to have them in the cohort. So, you know, we have information on our site about that as well. And so, and Dan, you know, if you want to come drop in on the students one and, and drop some knowledge from you, that would be great as well. Uh, but yeah, so we have some really great things uh, that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Awesome. Let me know on that. Uh, I believe you said May 17th. Yeah, it's a six-week Zoom course. So we're going to do uh, six weeks of Tuesdays uh, evenings uh, where we'll get together. We'll have some different people speaking, engaging. And then the last week, which will be two days before the NBA draft, we'll have our own mock draft within the class from what they've been learning. That sounds a lot of fun. Definitely keep yeah. me in the loop on that. But uh, appreciate uh, you joining. Wish you nothing but the best of luck with uh, getting the game growing as well as uh, figuring out your next steps and when the timing is right for you to get back in the NBA. Cause uh, knowing you and, and working with you for that year, year and a half or so uh, you're obviously talented and uh, you would be a big benefit to any NBA team when you decide to get back. So thanks again, John. I appreciate that, Dan. Thanks. Good to see you, brother.